0: Hey, Zach, this week on At the 55. We do the same stuff. Roll the tape. This is Justice Island, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Starzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. Dylan Giffen, left tackle of the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At the 55. At the 55. At the 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. Okay, let's start off with our players of the week. I'll go through my picks first. Number one we got to go with the man who showed out in honor of our presence at the U of T Queens game. That's Rashid Tucker. And watching him, we'll get into all the details covering the game when we go into the game itself. But, you know, you could tell he was playing well. But I was blown away when I actually saw on the stat line that he had 28 attempts for 210 yards. And, of course, the two touchdowns. So big ups to him. A lot of other good players around the league will get into those performances as well. On the defense side of the ball, got to give it up to Michael Reed for the Waterloo Warriors. Anytime you come up with 13 solos and a sack, that's, I mean, that's incredible. Also, as a side note, so far I'm aligned with the OUA picks for players of the week. And the part that I separate on is for the uh, special teams player of the week, my pick goes to Jackson Hume for the York Lions with a 107-yard touchdown on a kickoff and compiling 205 yards combined on kick returns. Obviously, when you have five returns, a five kickoff returns, a that that doesn't, you know, bode so well for the state of your team in general. But when you're gonna you net 205 yards. I'll tip my cap to him Dakota what about you
1: you know I'm gonna try something new here uh, I'm not gonna tell you who my picks are okay there's a reason to that um, we were recently trying on a new thing we new fancy little graphic we got going on it's on Instagram it's on Twitter uh, I have all my picks for players of the week I have all Zach's picks for players of the week he just wants to you know hear himself talk which I'm gonna allow but thank for, you for my players of the week go check it out on Instagram on Twitter
0: at the 55 podcast. Fair enough. So definitely go check out, check that out. Follow, subscribe, like uh, all the content there. So moving on to our who's back, Dakota. You want to start us off? My who's back is not going to anyone
1: on a football field, but more importantly, the parking lot just south of it. My who's back goes to true fandom, true parent supporting their kids, riding for their team. Uh, especially a uh, big shout out to Kevin McLeod. Uh, his son Owen plays for U of T number forty-four. Uh, you know, they, him and his wife graciously invited me to their pregame tailgate, um, which I thought was a great idea. Unfortunately, there was one truck, one truck with food and drinks. Um, so I think it's, I think it's really important that you know, UFT's back to their winning ways. And when I say back, I can't remember it because unfortunately I wasn't alive way back then when they were winning. Fair. Actually, no nineteen ninety-three, they won. I was one years old. I was one years old when they won and
0: i was some i guess like but six we were months.
1: here we were here that's the most important thing no but they you know ufc's at 500 right now we'll get a little into the queens game later but i think it's great to have you know parents out at games you know getting other fans maybe don't have kids involved there to come out and watch um and not even just them when we were at the queens uft game there were like 60, 70 year olds there watching the game. Like, that's, that's ride or die, and fingers crossed they don't die in a ride <laughs> because that that's crazy fandom. So, I just, just a big shout out to all the parents, all the OUA fans. Hey, Queen's uh, Die Hards are, they're for
0: real, man. They are. You uh, almost go into a fight with an old man.
1: You know what? We'll get into that.
0: We'll get into that. But that's, that's my Who's Back of the Week, and hopefully they don't catch my curse and they stay back. I, I love it, and shout out to all the pop groups, uh, parents of players. I know Guelph has a really strong one. Mac has a really strong one. I'm sure uh, some of the other programs have their own versions of that. So keep doing your thing. For myself, I will go with a player that we saw ball out this week. I'll give it to Andreas Duick. And he's been playing really well all year. We saw him not have his greatest game against York last week. Only going for 219 yards, 1 TD, and 2 picks. This week against Windsor, You know, I give all credit to you, the whole angle of this being a pissed off Marauders team despite the win in York that that was just a lackluster performance for a team that many people can envision being in the 8th Cup and competing for that championship but he balled out to the tune of 389 yards 3 TDs and no picks, Uh, shout out to you uh, Duick and uh, well I don't have to worry about not cursing him because he's on bye but I I don't want to think about how the curse might manifest on, uh, let's not think about it let's not think let's about' not think about, about, it. It. Not think about it too hard um so that was the who's back and uh I guess with that being said let's jump into our first game and we'll go with let's do it what was my pick for the game of the week Western egg Guelph Final score in this game: the Western Mustangs nine, the Guelph Griffins three. The game was in Guelph, of course. This was the 2018 Yates Cup rematch. A much tighter contest than that ball game, but we won't get into that. And a couple, a couple initial thoughts. Firstly, I I didn't watch this live because, as we mentioned, uh, you and me were obviously at the U of T game. But this game goes, or I should say, flies in the face of, of something you had said. Uh, a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week in that defensive games are better live and not as enjoyable on TV and that offensive games, I mean, offensive games are fun to see live and are more palatable on TV. And despite watching this game, knowing what the outcome was, I was glued to every second of it. Every single play, it felt like the balance of the game was on the line. So that's number one. And actually as a sort of an extended point on that, you know, in, in spite of the loss, I think Guelph should be very happy about this game. And I think just OUA, fan, OUA fans in general should be very happy about this game. I I wrote going into, uh, in my sort of three questions for week five, are we going to see, or you know, is is there going to be another contender stepping up to the plate? And I think that it's fair to say that, that Guelph looks like they can hang with, with Western. They clearly showed it. But the other point I want to get on on this, because you know, if you're Western, a win's a win, that's great. You held Guelph to three points. I mean, we've seen Guelph's offense sputter throughout the season. Um, but this is the first time the Western Mustangs have been held without a touchdown since the 2013 semifinals
1: against Calgary.
0: against Calgary. Yeah, I forgot the final on that one.
1: Well, it's probably not that high. At least for Western.
0: Well, so that's 2013 for just any game. And then OUA specifically, in OUA action, dates all the way back to 2011 in a game against Queens. So, you know, they get the win, you got to be happy. They're still 5 and 0. And they might not be overly pleased with their outing in terms of their offensive production. I'd hope they tip their cap to Guelph defensively at least. But at least for Western Mustangs fans, that's one of those points you can kind of hang your hat on where even though your team didn't, you know, devastate the opponent as you're used to, the fact that you can kind of lean back on saying, well, it's the first time we haven't had a touchdown in years, I mean, that that's that's pretty dope.
1: Now, just forgive me for jumping ahead here. I just looking at the schedule. Should we feel bad for Windsor that might get slap with two back-to-back revenge games as Western goes in <laughs> into face Windsor. Ooh,
0: yeah. Let's, I, let's, let's talk on that later, but I'm just... Western's not going to be too happy. Yeah, no, I, I I like that. And, I mean, well, there, there's actually a... You know, when you bake in the Circelli storyline in there, too, I mean, that's going to be an interesting one one to follow. Um, but I, I like where your head's at. But, yeah, so so let's get into this. This is obviously the the... I don't want to say weakest performance because I, I think that takes credit away from from Guelph, but Merchant finishing twenty for twenty nine, very efficient, obviously, two hundred and twenty two yards, no TDs, one pick, rushing for fifty three on the ground. What we've seen from him, uh, at, at least in the in the fact that he's, you know, can do it on the ground as well, but it, Trey Humes and Trey Humes I, is Trey Humes. I, I give you like I. I and I give you all the credit for this, and, and I, I'm sure people who followed Western uh, as in-depth as I know you have, this isn't a surprise, but 131 on the ground, 79 in the air. Talk to me about Trey Humes.
1: Man, it's, you know, and we can touch on this a little bit later about veteran presence, especially in the backfield, but for his career, you know, who does he have there with him? He Is Alex Taylor? Yeah. You know? You got Benson, Joseph, Joseph. Sorry, again, I'm thinking of yeah, we're, Cedric Benson. We're, yeah, we keep I, I screwed that up a few times before. Yeah, Cedric, Cedric, Joseph. Cedric Joseph, that's yeah. my mistake. I look bad as an, as an alum right now. <laughs> but, you know, Western's already such a good school for developing this talent, and then when you have such raw and talented people ahead of you and you're learning from them, and, and Western last year and the year before carried the three back system, and he would still get lots of reps as a younger athlete and now he's heading into his, I think it's his third or fourth year um, already with that much experience. I'm not, I'm not even kind of surprised. I know I said that the first week when he was held to, I think 23 or 25, I said that right. he's not looking like Trey Humes. Trey Humes is looking
0: like Trey Humes. And you know, he's a, he's a threat. Yeah. And to something that you have mentioned though, that early performance by Humes might just be sort of part and parcel with what we've seen from Western where they just don't start off.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, we said it the first week, a lot of it has to do with, and no offense to them, but the O-line, you saw a lot of new talent there, um, and they were just kind of finding where – where they fit together as a unit. I don't know much about the trenches, but I know that it's not just, oh, I have a great left tackle. I can block everything. They have to flow together. So For sure. As that, as that five-minute squad really comes together, so does the run game. And with the run, run game, so does the pass game. And that's why Western is so lethal later
0: on in the season. Definitely. In terms of the pass game, we already went over Merchant's numbers. N- nothing mind-blowing there. Uh, but as close as this game was and obviously you can go through any game and look at those missed opportunities that yeah, yeah, yeah let's let's hear it could, let's hear it well and, 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 and this is going in your favor for <laughs> for western early on i i can remember malik having a few bad drops And I, the fumble as well the yeah the fumble too um that i think was fairly un I'm, I'm not remember i don't know if i remember the play but i don't remember it being like A big hit necessarily, maybe whatever it was, so definitely some missed opportunities, Uh, the fumble, they were marching, they were deep in Guelph territory, so you have that, on the flip side of course though moving over to to the Guelph side of things you have the Jordan Terrio would-be touchdown uh, Guelph at the 55 for a 55 yard touchdown and I don't know who they called for the block in the back but obviously that coming back to bite them, no doubt So, a lot of missed opportunities, but once again, such an entertaining game. And you you talked about the offensive line, and you you sort of mentioned him by position in talking about their left tackle. uh, uh, in Giffen, who, you know, still so grateful for him spending some time talking to us after the blackout game. And going into this, one of the things I was so excited to watch would be the battle of, uh, of Giffen versus Tavius Robinson for Guelph. And it, it really didn't it, – it it didn't disappoint. For Tavius, he finished off with only a half sack. But you could see these guys, when they were matched up, they were going at it. Giffen, obviously, when he got his hands on him, it, it, he was, it was done. He's a wall. He, He's a unit. <laughs> he, it's ridiculous. There was a, there was a moment I, – I meant to take a video of this where – I think after a play, he's engaged with Joe Reinhardt and anyone who knows Joe anyone who knows the the Reinhardts of Guelph just generally know that those boys are just another type of athlete but there's just a play where they're engaged and he just tossed him like a rag doll <laughs> it, it was ridiculous so as far as this matchup goes I definitely say Giffen won that but a lot of fun to watch and once again, to reference uh, the article I put out last Friday, I think this is definitely a matchup that we'll see down the line when both Tavius and and, and Dylan Giffen are in the CFL. Um, but that was a lot of fun. But uh, sticking with Guelph defense, obviously uh, as far as the big takeaways for the Griffins, it, it it was the defense, and that's been what we've been talking about all year. And the incredible performances by their you know, their secondary, their linebacking core, specifically their safeties. Ben Lack, uh, Doton, uh, Akatepe, both of them coming up with some big plays. Uh, Akatepe with an interception. Ben Lack, seven solos. Uh, both of them just putting down some pretty serious hits on, on these receivers and, and coming up in, in to, to play a factor in the run game too. Um, and of course, the defensive line balling out really good to see my guy Greg Corfield back out there in limited time. I think he was on concussion protocol that was keeping him keeping him out. I'm not 100% sure, but a really great performance by this by this defense.
1: No, it was a solid solid performance and you know, if you've been following any of us on on our socials, I've been kind of ragging Zach a little bit. Cause he says they're the best front 7 and I still am not going to give him that crown, but to go against such a stout western o-line and get seven tackles for loss for those being sacks especially against a mobile quarterback like chris merchant you got to tip your hat to that that's pretty impressive you know it's i really want to see them go against a top tier talent i obviously didn't really catch them much in the mcmaster game and i kind of want to have that as not a write-off but two great teams going first week you never really know what's going to happen later but everyone's kind of in full season mode right now you're saying this is the best defense i think western let's see who you want to pop against Western for O-line. I think they're the best offensive line in the league. Um, so it really showed that if these guys can battle through and get seven tackles for a loss, that, okay, maybe maybe they're, they're one or two in my books. I right. still want to see them go against Guelph, but – not Guelph, sorry. This is Guelph. <laughs> I want to see them go against McMaster again, but – Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a number two. Maybe, yeah, one, one and a half.
0: And that, and that's totally fair. I feel like on any given Saturday at 1 o'clock p.m. specifically. Right, wait, just, are, there, are there other times? I, I don't know. I just kind of threw that time out. Does, are there other times? I, No, not this week. No, maybe if not. it's Thanksgiving. Um, it, any of those defenses can look like the best. So there's probably no clear favorite. I mean, of course, depending on perhaps whatever bias one might
1: hold. um no matter what, I think coming to the playoffs, we're going to see a Mac Western Union or a Mac Guelph or a Guelph Western yeah. or two of the we'll, three. We, I think we'll definitely yeah, see yeah, it, was, to it. Well, I, I never. We'll never, never know, know, but hopefully, we'll see two of the three, and that's. Let's fast forward a little bit to the playoffs. I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah, and and not to fast forward too much down the the regular season schedule for Western as far as possible teams that. Once again, in the sort of in the same way that we talk about. Teams like, um, not Waterloo, uh, Windsor and Queens and we thought Toronto maybe this going into the year where, you know what, even if you don't win a bunch of games, you don't make the playoffs, show something good, show that the future is promising and that'll be sort of the, the moral victory yeah. of the season. And same thing goes for the field versus... Western, where Western can finish eight and zero. I mean, I, I, I'm the guy who said that I could see him seven and one, six two. I don't see that happening now. I think that the path is clear for them to run the table. Well, I don't. I don't think that
1: they're going to win on the Thanksgiving weekend. But other than that, yeah, they're on the table.
0: <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think there's two more interesting games. Hopefully, there's the the GGs, which if they have Bittner, which they have uh, to have Bittner, they have to have Bittner back. Yeah. yeah, for hundred percent. And, that, and then Waterloo. And the Waterloo Western game from last year was such a massive disappointment because it was second half of the year and we'd already seen the Trey Ford show rolling. And obviously we saw Western rolling, doing their thing. And I think a lot of people, myself included, were hoping that that Waterloo was going to be the team to, once again, not necessarily defeat them, but to show that, hey, you know what? This is a team that, can put up a fight against Western and and might look good. So once again, not looking too far down the schedule, but as of now, we've seen Mac put up a fight. We've seen Guelph put up a fight, albeit both on their home fields and whatever team gets the the shot against Western again, it's obviously not going to be in either Hamilton or in Guelph. But hopefully we can see from uh, an Ottawa team led by Bittner. uh, Hopefully he gets back. I haven't heard anything and the Trey Ford show that is the Waterloo Warriors, maybe we see a third, maybe fourth team that, that can that can put up some kind of a fight.
1: Yeah, I think the closest game, honestly, though, is going to be the Guelph game. You know, we can say what we want about the Trey Ford show, but as we've seen this year, he's like Katy Perry says, he's hot and he's cold. And I think against Western, he might just chill out a little bit. And even if Bittner comes back, he's missed, what, now three games? Yeah. So he's got to get back and then get used to playing. Not saying it's going to take him that long, yeah. but... It's something that does will take Look, there'll be, be great games, but if Tree 4 doesn't show up, it's a snooze fest. And if Miracle's there, I'm not going to use the
0: punt. They're just going to need a lot of help. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, so I think the last thing I want to mention with this this Guelph-Western game before we move on, we did see the return of a few players for Guelph offensively. Uh we saw Kwame Osi and Juan Jeffrey back getting snaps, or I guess I should say snap each, uh, both with just one carry. Kane Stevenson still getting the bulk of the carries, only getting 36. But obviously, you know, e- even though I- I've said I think Guelph's top and, and Mack, and I've said a lot about thinking Carlton's really good too, and we'll get into uh, the. The devastating injury for for them and their front seven in specific when we get into that game but obviously this western defense is legit so only 36 for the rookie running back you know it those numbers he put up against waterloo definitely a bit inflated um not to take anything away from him uh but obviously a, a bit more of a humbling performance but once again that's against western but good to see oc and jeffrey back in the lineup The 55-man rosters that the OUA puts out going into the week misled me to thinking that we were going to get Barney back, but he was very quick to shut that rumor down on Instagram. Thanks Um, for making us look bad, Barney. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, (laughs) And and still no no, uh, Eric Starzella, no Ziggy, back for them at offensive line, which to me, if you're Guelph, you've shown that you can put up a fight with this team and that's all. That that's all gravy on top. The fact that you're still getting healthier and defensively, I think they still have a few guys that are uh, a little banged up. But I mean, at this point in the year, it's pretty safe to say that that every team's a little banged up. I mean, we went over some of the some of the players in specific. Um, yeah. Any, any last
1: thoughts on this one, Dakota? I think we got everything there.
0: All right, excellent. So we've kind of touched on them a little bit, but for Western, they are going to travel to Windsor next week uh, to take on uh, the Lancers, and for Guelph. They will be staying at home for their homecoming, welcoming in Ben Miracle or maybe Sora Bittner and the Ottawa Gigi's uh, for their homecoming. Um, and with that being said, let's move on to why don't we do the game we went to, Queens and UFT. Final score in this game: the Queens Golden Gales, 37, the Toronto UFT Blues 33. We were there at the game. I you know, I, I don't really wanna call this one an upset necessarily. It definitely caught a lot of people by surprise. But before I get into my thoughts as our resident or as as the UFT bandwagon leader, the fan club president, Dakota, I, I wanna hear what you have to say about this one.
1: You know, I'm I'm upset, as Drake would say. Um and before <laughs> I get into too many details of it, I think the big factor of this game um, was the early turnovers for U of T? Oh yeah, you know, and that kind of kind of leads me on a path of of this week's do better. Do better. This week's do better is brought to you by the Women of Winter. Winter is coming, and the Women of Winter have all things hockey all the time. Check us out at www.thewomenofwinter.com or follow us at the Women of Winter. So don't get me wrong, this isn't necessarily just straight for U of T. Um, I don't know if I could bring myself to do that This is more just for the OUA as as a whole Actually you know what McMaster, Windsor, you guys can sit this one out You're good, no turnovers, you're golden So now we got what, four games Four yeah. games this weekend, we take that one game out Four games, eight teams Four games, eight teams 17 fumbles Maybe, not, maybe they're not all lost Maybe they're not all lost Fair 17 enough. fumbles Nine interceptions mm. For eight teams I don't care if this is college and you know they're they're young guys. Be be professional, except without the money we're not allowed to pay you. Be professional. Ottawa, four fumbles. York six. Waterloo three. Carlton Queens, you're good. You got none. U of T two, which came in what the first three or four drives? I think so. Something like that, which ended up being rather costly. Windsor and Guelph, each had one. Interceptions, Ottawa had one, York had one, Waterloo, Carlton had one, Queens had two, UFT had one, Western and Guelph had one. This is ridiculous. I, forgetting penalties and everything we said, you can't win games with turnovers.
0: Well, you said that last week. Yeah,
1: you can't do it. The last thing I'm going to end on other than do better is ball security is job security. Ooh, I like that. Ball security is job security. Without the ball, you don't have a job. That's it. That's my do better for that. You can take over for the UFT. I'll, I'll come back when I when I've calmed
0: down. Well, I no, I think that's incredibly uh pertinent point to this game specifically cuz we were everyone was so excited to see what this UFT team was going to look like coming off the bye and I was that one person trying to throw some shade. I hate that you were right. <laughs> well, and it doesn't even mean I was right cuz that might take away from this Queens team progressively getting better, which I think is what we expected from them, a young coaching staff with a young offense a young defense that it was going to take time for them to get into their groove uh but I guess the big question was th- this team was on fire I mean that Windsor game just I don't even remember the numbers just disgusting numbers for Clay. all all the bird gang going off everyone was eating then they go into Laurier big comeback they obviously had the big comeback that almost netted them the win against Waterloo week one uh, and then they have the bye right in the midst of them being on such a roll and once again I I don't know I just had the thought what if this is going to slow them down a little bit and from the gate this it looked like this team was just going to keep on rolling with Nicholas Williams with an 88 yard kickoff return to start the game off but that's the fir- i think it was the first play afterwards one of said fumbles that you talk about and then that, that you talked about and that they lost giving the ball right back to queens and uh, just a couple times in this game just back breaking fumbles and you know i, I name me a fumble that's not back breaking um you know really is is a story for it F- for this game uh, aside from obviously what we saw from uh tucker for for queens which was incredible but UFT, you know, the the fumbles is one thing, and it, I, I I hate to I, I want to say as 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 gently as I can because we saw some of the bird gang afterwards, and, and they were clearly torn up. I mean, how, how could you not? This type of game being so close, when you look at how this might affect the the seeding going down the line. You know, this could be a game that they look back on and realize that they did drop. But near the end of the game, they had great looks in the end zone to take the lead and, and seal it up. And that, you know, the connection with with, with Clay and, and, I mean, Diodati was one of them. Who, there was a couple Dio other... Dio at
1: 134 in the air.
0: Oh, and and no, and don't get yeah. me wrong. I mean, he... 134, Lovegrove 65 in the TD, uh, Lehman 52 and the TD but just when you look at moments much like those, those lost fumbles that you just wish you could have had back or you wish just something happened a little differently just late in that game, not being able to make that connection and maybe it's a bit of a testament to them being a bit of a young offense and you know, we talk about with Western and the veteran presence in that team and the leadership that has just made its way through just every crevice of that of, of that program, so that guys even in their first year as starters they look like veterans. Maybe it's a bit of a product of that, but it just it. I, I think they'll look back on this game and, and realize that man, that it, it was as much as Queens won this game. Obviously, Tucker going off for two hundred and ten yards. UFT lost this one.
1: They did. And, you know, I did have a chance to talk to some of the players afterwards. Um, I'm not one to stick a mic in someone's face after a loss. I'm not by any means a journalist or considered press. So, you know, I knew the right time was was not then to, to really interview them, but just talk to them as players. And um, I kind of got the feeling, and I won't name names on this, but, you know, they they walked into this game a little bit cocky. You yeah. know, you have that bye week, you walk in this game a little bit cocky, and... Yeah, they, there's a huge kick return, but it kind of showed with the quick turnovers. And then, you know, once they got kind of reality, punched them back in the face, you saw them come back. Um, you saw them be that U of T flying offense that they did. Um, I joked around with uh, Nolan Lovegrove after the game. and I said, did you guys run anything other than those seven yard hooks? <laughs> And he, he just was he's like, no, we didn't. We didn't run anything other than seven-yard hooks because Queens had obviously watched their film, knew they like to go up top. Yeah, nothing over the top. So they said, all right, if you just want to play this zone coverage, you don't want to be in man, we're just going to go seven yards down the field, seven yards down the field, seven yards down the field. And it was kind of working for him. And just to, to touch on the point of, you know, they have such young talent that's really looking like veteran wide receivers. Love Lovegrove, I think even Corby are all third year. Michael Lehman, who I think now either scored his third or his fourth touchdown of the year, is in second year. And, th- again, I think they have the best receiver core, not only on the field, but just when I when I talk to these guys after the game, how much praise they have for one another. Again, I was talking to Lovegrove and just, you know, talking about the game here and there, and the stuff he had to say, you know, not only for Diodati, how he's a beast – love grow not love him sorry layman is is amazing for such a young talent like just shocked at the talent he has at second year and the chemistry this unit obviously has that he could even see you know clay was obviously down and he said yeah we's got to shake it off clay like he's the he's the best in the country he said it clay's the best in the country you know i'm not even going to consider a bias on this because let's look at numbers here he's the best in the country right now
0: prove him wrong read us read him out Tw- 345 yards Three CDs, one pick, thrown over fifty percent, and one hundred and ten on the ground.
1: Yeah, tell me, tell me he's not the best quarterback in the country. Let's let's find someone else that's better. Um, but yeah, just to talk about the offense there, they, I think they have a chemistry. Obviously, it's a very unfortunate game. Um, it's not a make or break game going into next week, but definitely. A, all right, let's get back to what we were doing. Let's go back to. I joke, but a U of T winning ways. But, like, <laughs> let's go back and let's... You're not wrong. Let's run the table. Okay, maybe, you know, Mac will be a tough game. Guelph might be a tough game. But right now they're ranked six in the OUA. Six is playoffs. So they just got to beat out Queens, and hopefully this game, yeah, doesn't come back to bite them. But I'm not too worried about them. I don't think they should be too worried
0: either. And I, I think for good reason. And you hope with a young team. You talked about being able to shake it off. I mean, it's such a... Cliche in, in football. Next play. Next play. Next play. But that's obviously a lot easier, or maybe not necessarily easier. But you generally see with younger players that's a bit harder to understand that mentality of my old offensive line coach, Mike McDonald, who's still like, "Well, put it on the shelf. Just forget. We'll talk about it." In well, yeah. Film. Even as a
1: receiver, the the most important catch is the next catch. That's exactly. what always was.
0: Exactly. So hopefully, as you mentioned, a youthful team that they have that maturity and based on the the way you described your interaction with Lovegrove, and I caught a little bit of it, um, you know, shout out to Nolan, super nice guy, just being, you know, talking to us after, after the loss, they definitely seem to have that understanding. And as you mentioned, maybe a little bit of that cockiness, perhaps going into this game, it, maybe this could be this once again this could be a game you look back on and realize that ugh, man that really screwed us up not not taking that game, but if it can galvanize them to be like, hey you know what that's the that's the kick in the ass we needed to be able to go and once again maybe they don't run the table uh and I, I think that they can't take for granted this next game against Carlton by any means because if they drop that they're in serious trouble serious trouble 100 percent um but just take it as a bit of a, a, a kick in the butt and just get back to their uft ways that they've shown but with that being said let's talk about this queens team now going into the game i, I spoke briefly with my good friend matt nesbitt coach up the o-line my first question was about the quarterbacks because this is something that we've talked about because we've seen james james keenan seemingly be the the go-to guy and we've seen spurts of of Ryan LeCandro some games where they it's looked like they've split it first half second half we talked we gave our two cents on that how we felt about a team gelling with just one quarterback versus another and how you split that time up and he gave me the impression that all things being equal and by that I mean assuming no injuries Yeah. is probably the the guy that they're going to go with. And his his stats on the day aren't incredible. 280, two TDs, two picks, which in your books, I know you call that the wash. (laughs) Um, But you can see he's got arm talent for sure. Because there were plenty of times where these receivers were getting past their DBs. And Lacandre was slinging it out there. And maybe just a little little nervous. A little just excited too. A little excited Overthrowing them, but at the very least, you can at least. Ho- hopefully, they can dial that back. You see, this kid has got an arm.
1: Yeah, there was. I found that there were so many plays that were. This not only because this game have gone either way. This game have could have been a blowout. Blowout in either way as well. Like those over. Those overthrows could have been touchdowns. Um, just looking here at their who is their kick returner, Ben Aaron. Yeah. He had one that he had a kick return that got called back, like sort of jump off the table a little bit. No, but yeah, so, yeah. so many different, like, man, what could have been if just one little thing? Yeah. I mean, that, but that's that's football. It's, that's that's football. That's, that's, that's life, any, anyone really. that anyone that knows football, it's it's yeah, that that happens so much.
0: Yeah. So so many of those just you know plays that were off by just a few inches, but the story for them is the run game, and, and Rasheed Tucker was incredible. as I kind of said. In giving him props for my pick for offensive player of the week, watching this game, everyone in that st- in in that stadium, and as a quick aside here, amazing crowd. Obviously, Queens brought there. I don't know why. I don't folks. know why you made
1: me sit on the Queens side.
0: Ah, <laughs> eh, well.
1: You saw it, what it's, almost it's, happened. It's
0: it's, it's it's yeah. That's fair enough. You almost fought like an eighty year old man. But uh, I digress. But great crowd nonetheless. Um, but so. You could see that Tucker was going off. He was having a great game, but I I did not... Like, did you have any idea that this was going to be... These were going to be the numbers he had? I thought he had, like, 120 maybe. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Maybe, maybe like, one, like, high 100, like, 160 or 170 max if I really wanted to push it. I did not see this coming. And, And another thing to talk about with this team, especially when you look at the running game, is that they're much like their team as a whole their offensive line was very young and with some injuries they were starting two rookies right guard right tackle the right tackle whose whose name i'm forgetting at the moment left the game for injury at one point and they had to put in another rookie at tackle and it which makes it all the more remarkable that tucker was able to put up these numbers so you know we'll, we'll see if this can carry on for this team you know I think that as well as we kind of mentioned already for Queens win, this isn't win now mode for them but we kind of said that with given how young they are this should the season should get better as you know each week passes as they get a sense for who they are and I don't know especially with this win over U of T and how tight in the standings they may end up being when it's all said and done. Who they might be ready to win earlier than people thought. Yeah, I don't
1: I still don't think it's a win now, but winning now would be nice sort of situation. It's you know they're expecting to be good in two or three years, but I'm not gonna turn my nose up at being good now. By no means are they it's Canadian college, so you're never really tanking. By no means yeah. are they tanking right now to win later. As long as you can like trade future draft yeah. picks to like <laughs> stock up for this year, they're not bringing a Kawhi Leonard on the the one year deal. But I mean that yeah, there's no problem in winning now, and and even if you are on the brink of the playoffs, if I'm Coach Schneider, I'm saying guys, this is a new program. We have so much young talent, and we're we're almost in the playoffs. Yeah, after like one year as like a full unit yeah. together. We're almost in the playoffs. We can do scary things, and as an avid hater of Queens from being from Western, I don't like it. But as a as a big football fan and football supporter, it's fun to watch.
0: These are the bright future uh, golden gales we're seeing here, and it's awesome to watch. Uh, any last thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I do have to say it. Um, it was my borderline special teams player of the week, um, only because you know I know him personally, and I thought it was hilarious what he did. Uh, Chris McLean. Um, the punter for U of T. Um, you know, we, we talked about it. If, for those who don't know, he ran, uh, we'll call it a fake punt. Uh, Chris, we know that wasn't fake um, for 25 yards. I talked to him after the game because we always joked when I coached him at, um, at Clarkson prep that, you know, if he's ever in that situation, I, I think I drew up four or five fake punts. And even though I was a coordinator, I was never allowed to call it. I said, yo, if you're ever in that situation, you run it, but I'm going, to tell, I'm going to tell the head coach that you did that all by yourself. So even in the last game, he, he did a very similar run. And, you know, I got yelled at and I, I pointed it all on him. But I talked to him after the game I said, let's be real. Was that a fake or was that, was that a called fake or was that a you called fake? And he said, that was a me called fake. You know, the A gap got blitzed and he, and he took it. From, that, was a, that was a big first down. They only got a field goal out of that. But that was, I felt that was a big momentum shifter as well for the game going into, I think it was near the end of the first half. Yeah, that
0: sounds about right. So yeah, that's that's my last <laughs> one. So we'll we'll put that play next to the Clark Barnes uh, kickoff returns for plays that you take full credit for.
1: No, I I jokingly take <laughs> take full credit for Clark Barnes, and I'm not gonna take full credit for for uh, for Chris running that. But it's always yeah, yeah, fun yeah. to see that no, of course. you know a full season of us joking around of Hey man, you you see the fake, you take it. You have the legs, yeah. and he does have the legs, and not just for kicking. For, yeah. So <laughs> it was fun to see, and I'm and I'm glad that he. I asked him how the coach reacted. He said, Oh, he loved it. He was hype. Again, it's one of those situations where if if you fake it and take it yourself and you don't get it, you're probably seeing the bench for the rest of the game. But big shout out to Chris. Happy,
0: happy you went for that. It's good to see you not just kicking the ball. No doubt. And they're gonna need a good performance from their special teams unit and well, every single unit as they travel to Ottawa to take on the Carlton Ravens uh, next week. I mean, we'll we'll just get into that later because there's a lot of thoughts on that one. I, I'm I, that I have. I'm certain. Uh, you have a lot to say about that too. And for Queens, they're traveling to uh, take on the Laurier Golden Hawks. Uh, coming off there by... That's the, going to be a good game. The Golden Gales versus the, the Golden Hawks. The battle of the uh, the Golden something or others. Birds. Is that what a gale is? I hope so. I thought a gale was like a storm, but... Isn't it, eh, why would it be gold? I don't know.
1: That's, that's for Queens to... to Find out next week when we figure out what a
0: gale, <laughs> figure out what a gale is. Uh, but with that being said, we'll call out a wrap on that one and move towards the next game, Windsor at Mac. Final score in this game, the Master Marauders 47, the Windsor Lancers 19. This game was in Hamilton, and as you had predicted, this was going to be a pissed-off Marauders team coming home after a win, but a much... Well, a less than impressive win against York than we would have thought from McMaster. And to start off the game, I was kind of worried that that might continue. On their first drive, I think they had two bad drops. I don't remember who exactly it was. And then the first catch for Mac was what should have been a touchdown, but called back for offsides. And, you know, we would kind of talked about that with what, what York did well against them that seemed to disrupt their flow was bringing pressure. And we saw when Windsor played Queens, they were brought a lot of pressure to the tune of, I think it was eight sacks they had against them. So maybe Windsor would have been able, or maybe Windsor would be able to have that type of success or something similar against Mac to slow them down. But clearly that was just a bit of a blip on the radar to start the game because from then forward it was all Marauders all the time. Just going through their scoring each quarter. They had 14 in the first, 13 in the second, and then 10 and 10 in the third and fourth. Already gone through Duick's numbers, but I'm going to give them to you again. 21 for 33, for 389 in the air and in the air, three touchdowns and no picks. Um uh, just a uh, this is the performance that we expect from from this Marauders team offensively.
1: Yeah, last week was a little bit little bit weird and I said, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. For sure. But if we're being realistic here, you know, play well the whole the whole time. And for Mac, I guess revenge is a dish best served in the end zone because they were all over the place with these touchdowns. Yeah. Um, you know, two rushing, three through the air. Um but I, yeah, I think the big thing for me, and you know, this is why I keep saying I I can't say Guelph's the best front seven, is let's look at Windsor's rushing yards here. And the, it's after not, the first it's not pretty. after the first week, you know, OUA Player of the Week had 170 plus. Yeah. And then this week, five carries for 14. That for, being
0: Jacob Savani, of course.
1: My apologies. Yeah. And then your your other leading rusher is your quarterback Sam Girard, five carries, 21 yards, and then you only have one other guy. Marvin Gaynor with three carries for 12 yards no yeah. one else can crack 10. I don't even know why they it doesn't have they don't have a lot of attempts here. I'm seeing pretty much just what is that that's 18 attempts total for rushing. I guess they gave gave up on the run game there as I would too again you know big ups to McMaster's front seven you know even you got you got Eric black uh, one solo half a sack which half a tackle for y- for a loss. Uh, Eric Blake. Sorry, yeah, not Eric Black. That's my apologies. Um, Shout out to Eric Black though. <laughs> MG <MT laughs> yeah. Dubs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not a lot of tackles for a loss, but a lot of you know assisted tackles. They have forty assisted tackles. So, like that's that's everyone coming to the ball
0: right yeah. there. Well, I mean, we talked about that with I think Queens earlier in the year with uh, their linebacker Schaefer who had like ten plus assisted yeah. tackle uh, assisted tackles. And and as you mentioned with with Mac here. That doesn't necessarily stand out on the sheet, but when you take a second to think about it, that speaks incredibly about the, the whether the individual or the team getting towards 100%. the ball. Yeah, one hundred percent. One thing that stuck out for me though, uh, Josh Cumber,
1: no picks. What's up, Cumber, man? What's,
0: what's up, Cumber? I, it, dude. Um, and on the point about uh, Gerard leading being the leading rusher for Windsor, there is plenty of teams we can point to in the OUA. Where, I mean, we talked about Clay. Yeah,
1: Clay, Trey. Chris Merchant can do it. Theo. Yeah. Uh, I, but they usually lead with 50, 70 plus, not 21 yards on the ground. And I don't think this has
0: taken a shot at him, where to say that Gerard, he's better off in the pocket. I, you know, watch him now for two years for the Lancers. Great arm talent. From what I understand from people who've been in that program, been around that program. Really knows the game really well. Really smart player. I don't think you want him running the ball, even if it's just five times. That that that's not a good sign uh, for your team. Uh, now, obviously, unless you were watching this game live, uh, cable 14 in the Hamilton area, uh, if you were following it on OUA TV, you like myself, like Dakota, you would have only caught the first half because the second half was cut out. Um, so without having seen the plays, I'm sure there's somewhere on Instagram or Twitter, have to give a shout-out to Carson Oulette. Not sure if I got that right. Let me know, uh, if to correct, or correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but finishing with 11 receptions for 127 yards in the air. And to go along with that, he adds in a 99-yard punt return for a touchdown as well not too shabby not not too shabby at all kind of one of those tweener games where he might have been an offensive player of the week or a special teams player of the week combined this that and the other thing you know great performance nonetheless um how about your boy justice allen so this long pause is for me to try to just
1: really shove down my bias. You know, I'm very happy for him. Uh, God, I believe is his first touchdown of the season. I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that's his first first major of the year. Um, I want him to get the ball more. And it's not even for, the, for the, the sake of that, you know, he's my buddy and I coached him and all that, but you have three rushing attempts and you lead your team in rushing yards. Why are you not getting the ball more? It's not like oh he had he had eleven and the other guy had you know yeah. fifteen. It's like he had three. You gave him the ball three times. You hand him the ball three times, and he goes for fifty nine yards. Why is he not getting the ball more? I it was I, the same thing when I watched no when, I, when, when I watched yeah. when I watched at York. He's in for a lot of blocking downs, which yeah he can hit people, but man he can move. Get him get him the freaking ball.
0: I mean I think that's more more than the blocking what people would expect from Justice. Yeah, get like, get him the ball. Let him hurdle some people. So, well, I mean, I think we have you on record. Look, he's not going <laughs> to listen. He's not going to listen to me anyway. So you may as well let him try it. Fair enough. Um, no, I definitely found that surprising watching it because, yeah, he's just one of those guys where anytime the ball's in his hand, he seems to, in his hands. He seems to be making plays. Look, he had also had a kickoff return for twenty one yards, yeah. which is which is pretty which is a pretty solid
1: return. And I I spoke to him again the York game and a little bit after he said you know. They rotate us in for kick returns. They don't want us to get tired, so yeah. you may only get one return a game. I get that. I'm not asking for him to get the ball more there, but I hand on the ball like six times a game at least.
0: More. Yeah. More. No, and I, you're, you're, you're definitely right because three is, three is just it, – it's, I've, it's I've
1: had more handoffs, and I'm a wide receiver. Like.
0: <laughs> but here, but here's, the, here's the thing. In defense of, of the way that they, they run this offense, because I think we've seen this consistently for them, and I think this is what makes them so dangerous – Let's go through some of these statistics. As far as rushing yards, you have Allen, three attempts for 59. Liam Putt, two attempts for 50. Jordan Lyons, 11 for 45. Now let's look at the receivers. And we've talked already in previous weeks at how good Duick is at spreading the ball around to his different receivers. You have Tommy Neal, seven receptions for 127. Tyson Middlemost, three receptions for 119 and a TD. Xander Tychinski 6 for 89 and a TD. Justice Allen two receptions of his own for 32 is TD there. I think I think it was on a screen pass. I, I don't remember exactly. So it's it kind of works in the system that they spread around. Now, I totally agree. I think you can easily go from 3 to 6 or even 10 and it doesn't mess with that 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 general sort of format. But this is what I mean, you talked about the defense, and no doubt, and as much as I talk about Guelph, hundred percent, I'd be ridiculous to not think this defense. Well, it doesn't matter what I think. This defense is good. We just, yeah. We just see it, and already mentioned how what worked so effectively effectively for Windsor against Queens in getting to the quarterback was bringing pressure, and if they were going to copy. The, or trying to copy the success york had against mac it was to bring pressure again and they they definitely were trying to get after duick now they, they didn't get many sacks but there was plenty of times where duick was under pressure and this honestly was the most impressive thing to me and i, I probably it starts with potassic at, at, at the top and just makes its way all the way down through the program the how professional this offense is and it makes sense knowing that Duick has all these weapons, but there's so many times where he has a man closing down on him, about to just lay him out, get the sack, but he knows that, oh, okay, I, I got Neal coming over the middle. If I, get, I just, if
1: I get this ball out, it's a play.
0: Oh, okay, I, I got Tachinsky. He should be getting free over the top now. And it It works. Every single time, hundred percent. And I freaking love watching it. This offense <laughs> is so so much fun to watch because they have so many weapons. And uh, once again, I'll, I'll completely acknowledge that you know because Allen's so much fun to watch with the ball in his hands. It'd be great to see more touches. Look, but, you can discredit, you can discredit. Cause I got, I got definitely got a bias here. But... <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want to discredit it at all. But good. just <laughs> no, but just this, this, like this offense is, this offense is seriously. Seriously scary, and as you already kind of alluded to, whether it's the rematch with Guelph, Western, or both, uh, I can't wait to see either or, or, or both if we're lucky. A- any last thoughts? Yeah, on Yeah, just
1: just on on the point of offense and not not McMaster because we definitely touched on that a lot. Um, just a quick question to you. Yeah. Uh, growing up watching football, if you had you know Chad Johnson or Randy Moss on your team, would you play him or would you kind of just sit him there and maybe let him block a bit? you play okay so when you have Chris Osikusi ooh okay do you get on the ball one time yeah ooh and, I, and again I you know we could only watch half the game you never know what really happened yeah um, maybe he got targeted 12 times but I highly doubt that he only caught the ball once you know maybe he got doubled give him a shot you're down by a lot Put the ball in your playmaker's hands.
0: I mean, maybe... maybe big-time
1: players make big-time plays in big-time games.
0: To, to what you said, though, about maybe him getting doubled, maybe that's how a guy like Carson Ouellette ends up with 11 receptions and 127. If, if they're saying, hey, you want to throw it to this guy? Go ahead. Yeah, but fair, gonna... fair enough. As we, we didn't catch that second half, but... We, yeah, we will never, we'll never know.
1: We will never know, and even if someone tells us and shows us film, <laughs> we will deny it. You got to get Chris Oskousi the ball. Also, you bring him over; he's such a talent. Get on the ball.
0: Yeah. Um, also, I, I I caught this on uh, Lancer's Twitter or Instagram. They had like three or four guys who all had the same birthday on Saturday. I think Chris Osi was was one of them. So to him, if if I'm correct in remembering, are sure and all guys- are
1: you sure there's three guys and not just Chris Osikusi? and shit
0: maybe it was but you know happy b-days to uh to, to whomever it was uh, out there for for the the lancers um but hopefully they don't party too hard because uh it, it doesn't get any easier for them in fact it almost definitely gets harder <laughs> another another possible revenge game. <laughs> yeah we have western traveling to take them on in windsor um as we kind of mentioned Already and wrapping up the Western Gulf game, there is a lot of interesting things to talk about, and that's all. I'll I'll pretty much uh, just leave that for when we get into our Week Six previews. And for Mac, uh, they get a well-deserved bye, and will return to action to take on U of T come October. Um, But that being said, let's move on to our next game and take a look at. Let's take a look at Waterloo and Carlton. Woo! Final score in this game the Waterloo Warriors 34, the Carlton Ravens 24. This game was in Ottawa. And you know, before we get into the the action late in the or was it in the either late in the second or in, in the early third. I'm trying to pull it up in my notes here. Um, whenever it was, I'll, I'll get it in a moment, but we saw Oh, yeah, it so 11-19 in the third. And we saw Josh Walsh, the will linebacker for Carlton, make a tackle on the sideline. And it, it, it looks like a concussion um, from just how he, he responded. He was down on the ground. He wasn't moving for quite a while. Eventually, you know, we did see him uh, be helped off the field, which was, was, was so great to see. Um, obviously, we don't know as of now what the future will hold for josh um but obviously an obviously scary moment to see no matter who you cheer for who you play for whether you like football hate it whatever uh to see take even take away the fact that he's as talented as he is it's it's devastating seeing that happen to uh, you know a a, such a, a young man um But as I said, you know he he obviously he got up. You could see after the game and uh, Carlton and and Waterloo on Instagram they were making a a big deal and rightfully so of highlighting how many of the Waterloo guys went over after the game to dap him up, check in on him, make sure he was all right. Um, So, uh, Josh, if you're listening to this, you know obviously the, the speediest of recoveries. You know get better. Um, yeah, a devastating devastating blow um, for the, for this team, of course. Uh, being a veteran presence, part of the for me, if not one of the top front sevens, definitely one of the top linebacking cores with with uh, of Walsh, Casser, and Trevor Hoyt. Um, but you know what? As far as guys filling in for him, we saw Louis Cavanaugh fill in and i you know not a name that i'm familiar with but stepped up in the stepped up to the challenge finished with six tackles six solos and a tackle for loss as well as let here getting getting a, a pass breakup um so so big shout out to to kavanaugh there for for stepping up in the moment but getting into the action for both these teams you know, we're getting to that point in the season where obviously every game matters no matter what, but now that we are actually seeing how the standings are unfolding, it feels more and more like there's more and more weight on on each game. And We saw Carlton get thoroughly handled in the blackout game against Western last week. We saw Waterloo with a disappointing loss uh, at home against Guelph. Both of them looking to bounce back and it's definitely looked like the Trey Ford show got back on track. Ford himself finished 21 for 27 for 348, four TDs, one pick, and added 60 on on the ground. Uh, Dakotas is you know I I won't necessarily fight you on the point about whether Clay's the best quarterback, but this is this is quintessential Ford. He's, he's
1: quite an electric quarterback to watch, and I really wanted to give him the who's back again, but we saw what happened the first time <laughs> I gave him the who's back. So Trey. I'm not going to do that to it's you for man. For your own good, Trey. Yeah. Um no, he had really just he he is back. Whoops, I said it. Sorry man. It, <laughs> it was a fantastic game and and something I didn't even realize um just watching it Gordon Lamb Oh, he went off. I did, but like I you know, you see him go off, but yeah. 158 for 3 touchdowns? Yeah. You know, he's he's on the cusp of being an offensive player of the week. Obviously Tucker had a fantastic week yeah. again, but that's that's huge numbers and then looking just looking at the other uh, ground game Deion Pellerin being Deion Pellerin there 98 on the ground no keeping him out of the end zone but just showing that he is you know the man give me the ball give me the rock 22 carries for all those yards and you know one through the air for six yards a little surprise here uh Chanowski. solid game I'll give him that 81 yards through the air surprised to see him out of the end zone. Yeah. Do, do you? Are you not a little shocked about that?
0: Well, I, I mean, as you mentioned, six for eighty-one. Nothing. Just to. No. Very very solid game. But there's there's context to it, and the context is this is a first team All Canadian, with the OUA MVP at quarterback, with a great running mate of, of Gordon Lamb alongside him, a great running back, and yeah, you kind of it, it definitely does surprise uh, when. I mean, let alone the yards, but when he's kept out of the end zone, so credit to to Car- I'll give credit to Carlton on that on that stance, and sticking with offenses, I I don't want to say I predicted this, but I definitely was I, I was very happy to see the game Nathan Carter had for Carlton out of the backfield, 17 for 106, no touchdowns, but looking so much closer to the Nathan Carter that we saw all of last year, and you know I, I kind of joked just a second ago about saying. Or not to take credit in saying I predicted it, but after what we saw from Kane Stevenson against this Waterloo defense, this definitely had the feel for that that breakout game for Nathan Carter. That well, obviously we saw how Kane performed the week following his his breakout performance against Waterloo. But for Carter, given he's a veteran guy, he's been one of the top backs in the league. My 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 hope for him is that this this continues, um, and obviously for Carlton. At this point, you know, being one and three, you need every every yard you can squeeze out of Nathan Carter if you have any hope of, of making the playoffs. At this point,
1: well, I think it should also be mentioned that he now holds the record, I believe, for most rushing attempts by a Carlton running back.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, and
1: he's I think looking at it this morning, I believe he was 248 away from all time on the ground.
0: So we'll definitely get that this year.
1: You know, fingers crossed. You he say yeah. healthy, he def- sure. he'll definitely get that. Um, one name I just want to point out, and a name I think that we're going to become a little more familiarized with in the coming years uh, Chad Manchelenko, six receptions for 101. Yeah. Um, and then I then I also believe he's uh, related to all star retired running back Jerome Messum, who put up huge numbers in KO. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, young talent there, look for him to really. He's already kind of stepping up this season. You've. If you've looked at the box scores, he starts at the bottom of the receiving and slowly crawls his way up to the top of each game. And now, you know, breaking that 100-yard
0: mark is pretty solid for him. Yeah, and, you know, we saw Chad last year with this dynamic trio of of Chad, Phil Loki, Quinton Soares, as, in my books, one of the best receiving cores. And we saw them last year do their thing as well. But, of course, last year, it was Michael Aruda throwing them the ball. And this year, it's Tanner DeJong Tanner finishing off 22 for 32, 274, two TDs, one pick. You know, once again, not terrible, not terrible. Um, And I've kind of made this point with Ben Miracle and the GGs where it's just, it's such a shame when you have that talent at receiver, um, but it doesn't mean a thing if, if they're not just, if they're not being put in a position to succeed, and so much of that is predicated on who's throwing them throwing them the ball. I mean, we talked about it with Ryan LeCandro for, for Queens where receivers are getting open and he's just putting a little too much on it. And I'm not remembering every throw of Tanner's in, in in this one. Um, but you know, it's, it's reasons like that though, just the fact that they have those established players, including Nathan Carter as well in the backfield that, um, that, that give me hope that, you know, one and three, that's to state the obvious, that ain't good. Uh are they done? No, no. I'm not I'm not done chaining them. Are you?
1: Uh, I won't, but you know they got they're going against my varsity blues next week, and that's I nothing would make me happier than you know, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Clay the dun chain. Not that he's done, I'm gonna give it to him to take it off oh. to take it up to take
0: it up to Ottawa. Get set, give it to him on the
1: bus. I'm gonna give it to you Take it up to Ottawa, and when they when they go up there, I, I'm sure you already know who I'm gonna pick that game. But you know, they they can go done Carlton. But well, no, I guess not yet. The same way, just out of respect, the same way that I didn't done Laurier. Yeah, I didn't done. I like that. Um, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna done Carlton.
0: And well, and speaking of Laurier, because if we just take a moment to look at the schedule for Carlton, it, it's 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 not an easy road for them to get to the playoffs. You obviously mentioned them having to take on Toronto next week and that explosive offense. Week after that, it's the Panda. Ooh, week that's... after that, they're home for Mac. But all of that leading up into a week nine matchup at Laurier, which... 11 a.m. game two to note. Well That's just weird. That's... <laughs> oh, wait, we got to talk about the schedule of timing. Did they just add another one in and then just switch the A to... Whatever. Uh, but a few there would be, have to be a few bounces go their way for this to happen. But that could become a game where, um, you know, the, the winner the winner gets in the, the loser doesn't. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with if Laurier starts to turn around um, themselves. But definitely a tough position for Carlson that they find themselves in. And it, yeah, it's, it's just. It's unfortunate. I, I won't. I won't. You know, be a dead horse. But it, looking over the Waterloo side of things, we obviously gave credit already to uh, Michael Reed getting thirteen solos and a sack in the game for them. But a, a big shout out to Curtis Gray, uh, moved over to linebacker, got himself a, a nice pick. It was well, I think it was pretty much just thrown right at him. But really making an impact for them, uh, obviously with. The loss of of, uh Jake Hinsberger or was it Jake or one of the Hinsberger whichever one it was preseason uh an already shaky defense being hit right in their linebacking core which you know even last year with the defense being a little suspect at times the one thing that was for certain is that they had good linebackers that it definitely looks like the move putting gray there um has helped turn that around a little bit but yeah story of this one really just is that the Trey Ford show just got just back on schedule
1: yeah and just as my my finishing note you know Trey Ford wasn't perfect and I'm mentioning this for two reasons one just to give a shout out to solid defensive play game the interception and then two also probably top 10 names in the OUA Uh, Zendru O'Dane, Altador got that interception off Trey Ford Okay. Um, so, big shout out for the pick and also just great name.
0: 100%. Um, shout out to, I already, I already I'm not even going to try to throw out the name because I'm, I'm just going to butcher it. And we do enough of that already. So, I won't continue the trend. Looking forward to next week. Carlton will be staying at home when they will be visited by your UFT Blues. And your York Lions will then be visiting the Waterloo Warriors at home um, in what I'm sure will be a, a thrilling matchup. Um, But with that being said, let's move on to the last game from Week 5, Ottawa GGs at York. Final score in this game, the Ottawa GGs, 46, the York Lions, 12. This was in York for their homecoming, Um, but didn't look so hot. Uh, First note of this one, Brett Hunchak, we saw him uh, get injured the, the previous week. Noah Craney with the start, and... You know, not uh, not not the not the best start, not not the best performance, not not the worst. I mean, maybe it was the worst. No, he could have done worse. Um, Seventeen for thirty three, one eighty, no TDs and a pick. Not the best start, but I mean, their offense. Like, as far as York's offense goes, what, that's kind of just been what this. offense. Well, you would you like to tell? Look, I just said you know I
1: I do my do better every week. And every time we sit down before, Zach says, you know, who's your do-better? And every week I want to say it's York's offense. I can't do that every week. York's offense hasn't scored a touchdown since, what was it, week two against Guelph? Has that been in week two? Maybe week three? Week two, Yeah, whenever that was. Whenever that was. That was the last time we scored an offensive touchdown. Yeah. I've, I'm done saying I don't like York. I don't like York's offense. York's defense, we saw it against Mac, stellar.
0: York special teams stellar and the tough thing is though is when like when Brett Hunchak's playing like he's a great quarterback you have Luther Hakuna who really solid receiver you have Alex Daly really solid receiver Kadim Hemmings fairly you know another solid receiver and they've had this breakout star in Darnell Jarrett so far this year had a great start to this game
1: a little bit of a questionable play there for one of his plays.
0: He, oh, okay. All right. right, we'll jump right. Okay, just yeah. jump into it. Okay, I'll just jump into it. And <laughs> coming on the back of uh, on the back of me just giving him the praise, and I'll just finish off the the, the note on, on his stats: 16 rushes, 76 yards. But there was a play in the early third quarter that you know, I, as by no means am I a football purist or anything like that, but just. In the, in the wake of a season where your offense has, has shown very few signs of life and you haven't won a game York was backed up a second and I think 15 they find Darnell out of the backfield I'll give him the credit makes a really nice move on a guy drops him puts his shoulder into another guy gets bumped out of bounds he's feeling nice spikes the dang ball. You can see the Gigi's defenders just looking around with their hands up like, that's not a penalty? I guess not. And yeah, you know what? Nice play. Celebrate. But at this point in the game, you're already down. I, I don't know the exact number, but you're already down, I think, over 20 points. Once again, in a season that you haven't won a game. And by the way, you came at least 6 yards short of that first down, and you're spiking the ball in celebration. Great play. Great individual play, but that that, that frustrated me. That frustrated me a lot.
1: Yeah, see, I'm, I'm very torn um, because I absolutely love, I love aggressive, you know, it, it, football is such a, a passionate game. You have to have such a passion for it. And, and on one hand, it's, you know, I love it because it shows that he's he's out there. It doesn't matter how much he's down. He's out there busting his ass to go and, and try and get first downs. But on the other hand, it's, you didn't get the first down. You're down 20 points. But then, you know, I think my final thing on it is do what you want to do. But if I'm Ottawa GGs, and I've done this before, you know, I've gone against DBs who have talked smack from point A to point B, whistle to whistle. And the, I find the best comeback to that is you just go over to him, you point point, you say scoreboard. Check the yeah. scoreboard. You don't even say that much, but, like, every time someone talks smack, when they're when they're losing, I just go over and say, hey, scoreboard. Oh, I shut you down scoreboard. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I. Oh, yeah. This guy, you know, Darnell broke his ankles.
0: Scoreboard. Scoreboard. Yeah. No, you're right, and I don't know. I'm just. Do you, Darnell?
1: But also, uh, maybe, maybe reevaluate that decision. Time
0: and a place, but you know we're, I, we're not you. <laughs> but like, I'll give him the credit for just the performance on the actual field. Like, he's been, he has been playing well, and and he looked. He had some good moments uh, against Mac as as, as well. I had, I think he's a young guy, so hopefully that's a a a, a shining uh, point for them moving forward. But let's move over to the Ottawa side of things. I th- I think this is now Ben Miracle's third start, I believe, uh, for Ottawa. Goes eighteen for thirty two, two hundred and thirty three, two TDs, one interception, and and you know fair you know fairly s- solid stats. And, but to sort of, I guess caveat those stats. When you actually go through the the team defenses across the OUA, and you somewhat alluded to this, where you're you're, you're bone to pick with York is strictly on an offensive side. The specials have been good. The defense has been good, specifically the passing defense for York actually has been one of the top in the OUA. So, somewhat surprisingly, I mean, I guess we did see how they they were able to. Shut down Duick a little bit uh last week, but you know, solid performance by Miracle. Obviously, the usual suspects for them offensively in the receiving core: Carter Matheson, four receptions, to eighty-one yards. One play where kind of looked like—I mean, I feel like the, the term gets a little overused—but kind of the dude. But he's a huge, he's a big body receiver. He, he's one of Bittner's favorite targets as well. Just the guy you can just throw the ball up to and just yeah, just hey, jump, man, jump ball, play. go make yeah, go make a play. Dylan St. Pierre, Kalen Beaver, all doing work uh, in the receiving core. But the guy I really want to shed some light on for them is Jordan Berger, fourth year uh, as Dakota Mimes eating a hamburger right here. Uh, I assume it's actually a a veggie burger eaten since we're in uh, my apartment, but I'll digress. Um, Yeah, Jordan Berger, 11 attempts, 71 yards, 3 TDs, uh, big ups to you, uh, running back out of Toronto, went to Chaminade I believe. Um, and you no, know, obviously a big question for this team for the start at the start of the year was where is Dawson O'Day? And I believe you had mentioned you heard it was a it was a personal matter he was dealing with. So obviously, you know, more power to him. You know, at the end of the day, is is just a game from a football perspective. Of course, that's a massive loss for them but you know Berger's looking like a legit back here and as we've talked about we don't know Bittner's timeline I mean I, like I have flashbacks of that beating he took against Mac and and Shudder at, at, at what they what they did to him and um, so I mean if, if, he, if he doesn't come back this year that wouldn't be a surprise but like it, if he does come back that also wouldn't be a surprise all that being like I say all that to say this that Kind of like last year, this Ottawa team has just low key been, you know, they just been good. But right are now. they relying heavily on that
1: defense? Yeah, they have a they have a solid offense and nothing against them. Um, but watching the couple games that that Ben played and looking at the stat line here, yeah, is and and no offense when I say this, is he not just a game manager in a sense? No, I, I th-
0: that that might be the case. That that very well might be the case. And you're right, the defense, much like it was. Last year as well, the defense was where you know their bread was was buttered. But you know what, actually, let me throw this let me throw this question at you then. Who's the more legit three in one team? Is it Ottawa or Waterloo? Team, Ottawa. Yeah.
1: If we talk top end talent, Oh, well, Waterloo. Okay, yeah, yeah. For, well, but sure. just the fact that Ottawa is at 3-1 and one with what I said is just a, a game-time manager, I find that, and I could be wrong, this team could be completely behind them here. You know, it's kind of like a go in the game, scores a couple touchdowns and don't just really mess it up for us. Our defense is going to do what our defense does. And they're definitely more of a unit. Waterloo, crazy offensive talent with Ford, Pellerin, Tyler, yeah, yeah. Lamb, yeah, but I feel like the gaping hole for Waterloo, which is the defense, is much bigger than the okay, we'll see how our quarterback does type situation with Ben Miracle. And again, nothing against him, but he's he's no Bittner.
0: No, definitely. And taking a look at the schedule for Ottawa, I mean, the fact that they're in three, they're three and one at the halfway point of their season. Is huge because they have a really tough back end of the year. As we kind of already alluded to, they're traveling to Guelph next week for Guelph's homecoming. It's a rematch from the semifinal last year. That'll be a big game. That'll that'll be huge um, for both teams, really. Then after that, it's the Panda. Uh, and so just panda, panda, panda. <laughs> so assuming Miracle is still in at quarterback, it, those are two massive games where, take aside the actual competition, Guelph obviously is one of the top teams. Carlton at least has the talent to be a good team and put up a fight. You're going to another team's homecoming and someone who's played and watched a lot of Guelph homecomings. It's a pretty rowdy affair. That's right.
1: Panda, is a, I feel like, is a toss-up no matter.
0: Well, and then, the, I mean... If you look at the historical records, Ottawa's owned it. But yeah, no, absolutely. Recent historical records with
1: Nate Bahar at the helm, that's
0: a different story. But. No, 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 of, of course. Yeah, but yeah, those are generally really competitive games. Last year, Ottawa kind of had their number. Or pardon me, no, it was Yeah, Ottawa ended up taking it. Uh, but those are going to be two really interesting games to watch, assuming it's a Miracle. And if it's Bittner, well, then maybe this just becomes the, the offense returns to form of what we expect to see them if Berger can continue to progress. But nonetheless, assuming it's Miracle, these are going to be two really interesting games to see how he can handle the pressure of those moments. And Guelph, like I said, the homecoming, also a team where you could end up seeing them in the playoffs. And with Carlton, well, of course, it's the Crosstown Rivals. It's the Panda. It's one of the biggest amateur sporting events in all of Canada. And if it's Ben back there, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does
1: yeah definitely. I think it's you know they could come out of those being five and one. they could come out being three and three, and that's with the way the standings are right now. it's those are very polar opposites of where they want to be in the standings if they come out with three and three uh obviously we'll we'll get into the Guelph game a little bit later, and next week we'll talk more about the panda. Unfortunately, we can't be there, but uh we'll we'll send a representative maybe. <laughs> but no, I think yeah, as a young quarterback, this is where he I believe we said it going in when he first started starting, being like Panda's gonna be the, the make or break, loser yeah. goes home type game. Um But yeah, right now I'm just not seeing anything to wow me. But then again, even in the NFL we've seen teams with unwowable quarterbacks win. So if they can if Otto can keep that defensive team together, they're still a, a, a team that I don't necessarily want to see in the playoffs
0: no doubt and especially as you've you know the, the point you've made all year long especially if you're having to go to their house yeah you never want to have to do that um last thing i'll say about this uh, about this matchup uh, i know i've given him a shout out before i'll give him another one and i will continue to shout him out tremaine steven defensive tackle got another sack in this game and that is from as a true defensive tackle uh northern secondary guy another metro toronto guy um and I will 120% expect to see him get his first all-star nod this year on the defensive side of the ball um, for Ottawa. But with that being, any last notes on this one? Beautiful. So with that being said, let's move into our week six previews. Now taking a look to week six in the OUA, let's go through our predictions for the games. Let's start off with Queens traveling to Laurier. We have Laurier coming off the bye. We have Queens coming off the massive... Win here in Toronto, and I'm gonna say the Queens keep it rolling and take the win uh, against against the Golden Hawks and give you all the reason in the world to place the Dun Chain gently upon their necks. What about you?
1: Um, you know the Dun Chain may be covered in gold, but it's not gonna belong Ooh. to the Golden Hawks this week. I am gonna pick Laurier. Queens had a great, great, great game on the ground. Uh, Laurier has a much better uh, front seven or at least defensive line yep. than U of T does. You know, it'll be close. I am a little bit nervous going into this game, betting back-to-back against Queens, but I think Laurier's not out yet, you know? I called them. I said, hey, I got the chain. You want it yet? And they said, hold that. Hold that. And I was like, all right. One thing I want to point out just before we get into the next game, yeah. Uh, OUA, I will be contacting you in the offseason season. There are five games this week, as there usually are. All of them are at one o'clock. Yeah. This is ridiculous. You know, why can't we have a one a one, a four a four, and a seven? Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's there's lots of different reasons about scheduling. You're a big organization, you can figure it out. You want this to grow as a whole with fans watching it. If I can only watch one game, obviously I can watch them later, but I don't I don't honestly don't care about games when I know the score. I can throw them on two TVs. Cool. There's five games. Let's split them up a little bit. It's a little bit ridiculous. Sorry for my little rant there. No,
0: no doubt. Me and Eddie harked on that a ton last year, uh, and I completely agree. Um, but moving into our next game, your UFT Blues hitting the road. Possibly, or oh no, not possibly, you are you are giving them a dun chain to take with them as well to Ottawa to take on Carlton. Need I ask who your pick is for this one? You don't need to, but you may as well hear me talk just because I
1: love my voice so much. I have U of T coming out and winning this game. Um, it's not a revenge game in the same sense with Mack versus uh, Windsor last week, but definitely, you know, they, they're they feeling the pressure right now with that borderline playoff berth for the first time in years. You know, maybe not feeling like they performed as well as they did against Queens. Going up to Ottawa, I always say, is a, is a tough matchup. Um, you got a little bit of a rattled Carlton defense there. You know, losing a a star there in their defensive side. Close game, possibly. I like the aerial attack in Ottawa. We'll call it. You know, high altitude up there in Ottawa.
0: <laughs> oh man, this one's tough. I I mean, we just saw what the you know lethal passing attack of, of Waterloo was able to do to them. You know, we saw the week before what Western's passing attack was able to do to them as well. Clearly, it doesn't get any easier against Toronto, and I mean, you have a three-game losing streak for Carlton that crosses over the thereby. I I just I want to believe in this Carlton team. Do next week. (laughs) No, I don't. No, I'll I'll go with the home team on this one. All right, I'll make it interesting. I'll pick Carlton. Sticking with Ottawa teams. We have the GGs in our next game. Which is Take- the g- g-, g g g g game of the week. Oh, yes, absolutely. I wasn't sure where you were going with that for a second. But, yeah, our game of the week, the Ottawa GGs taking on the Guelph Griffins. It's Guelph's homecoming. Uh, this game is also uh, where we have our Madison pick of the week. Uh, Madison is going with Ottawa um, for no particular reason other than the fact that she's going with Ottawa. So- it, it is important to note, though, that she is 2-0. Yeah, and she's 2-0 going against or picking against unanimous picks by the rest of us, and I feel like this might be the same situation because I know I'm going with Guelph in this I'm one. I'm definitely going with Guelph. Yeah, we'll see where Brandon and Eddie stand on, uh, stand on this one, but this may turn out to be another one uh, of those situations. Hopefully for Guelph, it, it it works out better than it did for Waterloo. and um, Miracle is going to yeah. need...
1: Uh, Really good game. Yeah. Not a (laughs) mirror Against uh, Guelph's front seven there. Definitely a top two in the league. And I just don't see it. I don't see them coming down to Guelph and, you know, might be another low-scoring game, but Guelph comes out on top for sure.
0: I think that's the only route to victory for Ottawa is that the defense just has to just shut Guelph down. Um, Maybe not the likes to to the extent that, that Mac did or that Western did, but you have to limit them just... Give Miracle an opportunity to to get a score, to and yeah, but uh, you know there is a road to victory for them. I'm not betting on it. Will we
1: see a return of the Barney game? Oh
0: my gosh, I hope so. I mean, if he was on the, I don't maybe maybe it's absolutely meaningless. But you'd think that if they at least had him on that 55 roster projection from last week, that maybe that means he's at least close, or maybe that was just a complete mistake. I don't know. Fingers crossed. Well, I'll, I'll shoot him a message. We'll find out we'll find out for sure. Next game Western going to Windsor. It's Western. I mean you the Sir Sally's playing Western again. Yeah.
1: Look, good good storyline, but Western undefeated. Yeah, no one look looking to run the table this year. Similar storyline for Mac. Last week going into Windsor, bad performance against York, maybe a revenge game. Unfortunately for Windsor now facing Western who didn't score a touchdown. Greg Marshall might just smile at the Sacellis as he puts up 50 points. Yeah. Every time I call 50 points I've been wrong, but I yeah, no. Western's winning this. Uh
0: yeah, absolutely Western, uh no doubt across the board. And then the last game of the week, York traveling to Waterloo. Uh that absolutely taking Waterloo in that one. I mean, you know, we've seen we've seen York's passing defense has been good. To what extent can they slow down Trey Ford? As you kind of mentioned, he's been a little hot and cold throughout this year, so maybe it won't be as explosive a performance as we've seen. But I, I, am still not. Like, it's been them.
1: it's been two weeks without York scoring an offensive touchdown, and and maybe they'll just Mitchell Trubisky me on this one and make <laughs> me look bad. Um, but no, Waterloo, obviously, I don't I don't think that. Knock on wood here that Trey Ford's going to throw pick six, and I think, you know, even if York gets a return for a touchdown like they did last game, cool, enjoy those seven points, maybe ten with a field goal. Waterloo's taking this one with ease.
0: And so that'll that'll uh, wrap up our picks for four week six. Uh, we'll get the full team picks out uh, hopefully by tomorrow. Should yeah, should be tomorrow, and you can see where Brandon and Eddie stand on these games. Once again, the Madison pick is Ottawa over Guelph. Uh, and now with, with that being said let's move into our mailbag section um you know this has been amazing now two weeks running with uh, people sending us their thoughts on, on the league a so happy you guys are listening always happy for whatever feedback whether it's related to the show or otherwise um and if you're listening throw us five stars as well on whatever you're listening on um because I'm sure that'll be super helpful as well. Um, but let's get into some of these questions. And uh, we'll start off with uh, Nick Oakley, uh, a Guelph supporter. So big ups to him. I won't go through the full question, um, but pretty much you want to talk a little bit about the way the OUA has been trying to even the playing field amongst teams. And as a Guelph fan, sort of citing... Well, he talked about the shortened training camps and... Um, But more so looking at, once again, as a Guelph fan, the Guelph rule of of limiting the number of jerseys and helmets and pant combinations that teams can have, um, I guess, as a way to, well, as you mentioned, even the playing field between teams that can afford to do that or at least are willing to put money into those things and teams that can't afford it or won't put money into it. What's your take?
1: Um, well, I'd love I'd love to hear yours your take because you were
0: part of that team. But <laughs>
1: before you really touch on that, um, I really find that it's so much for the middle ground, and it is the Guelph rule because when they started doing that, they were very not bottom of the pack, but very much middle of the pack. You look at teams like Western and Mac, and you know Eddie can speak on this if he was on the podcast, but I'll speak for him because I went to Western as well. The facility there isn't amazing, you know. You're not when you go for a visit. You're not blown away by anything except for the fact, you know, you're gonna walk by that trophy case. You're gonna you're gonna see what they brought in. You know that it's Western does Western. You know Mac is also just a notorious powerhouse. I think with this win this week, it's now 21 or 22 winning seasons in a row for Mac. Wow, which is very impressive. Yeah, but then you have teams like Guelph. Well, they could be solid teams, but they're never gonna compete. Not only with, an you know, offense to the city. I didn't live there like you did, but not an amazing, you know, attractive city to bring someone to if you're coming from out of province or and not an amazing team to bring someone to just on the hopes and prayers are going to do well. So I think they did a great job bringing in not the bells and whistles, but the jerseys that really attracted. I think you played that year, and was it every game you had a different jersey or something something like that? Jersey
0: or helmet combo. I for, yeah, there was a lot. Of, and I
1: yeah. I loved it. I, you know, I wasn't rooting for Guelph by any means when I was at Western, but I, like, I love this, you Yeah. Know? bring bring people in as however you want and it's it's really a way to compete because you know there are no it's just athletic scholarships there's no way to really bring kids in saying we want you free ride you still got to get into the university so it's another way of saying okay really get your marks up you know here's a bag here's all this stuff and maybe you can speak a little more on what was actually given with the jerseys and stuff but i really think it's a great way to bring people into a university they may not have had considered. And it's unfortunate. It's definitely the Guelph rule, similar to the Western rule where they cut how many guys you could bring into summer camp. And I, I think they should bring it back. It, it's going to make it more fun. I, I hope for the October games, Guelph has those pink jerseys again.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I have so many thoughts on this. Well, see, um, so I'll, I'll try and keep it somewhat short and sweet. I mean, m- number one, Obviously, and and even people who don't like the Guelph rule, I imagine that deep down, or pardon me, that, that don't like what Guelph was doing, deep down, I'm sure ultimately what they want is for all teams to be able to do that. If that's not what their hope is, then that's just ridiculous. Because these are incredibly talented athletes. These are top athletic programs across the board, even the ones that we, you know, poke fun at and 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 whatnot and I, I firmly believe they deserve you know the treatment that well that Guelph was able to 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 give now when people talk about the Guelph rule the name that obviously is going to come up is Stu Lang and it obviously does coincide that he came in they redid the field you know, they done the pavilion. They did all the jerseys, and no doubt. Now, I'm not gonna try and act like those didn't affect. You know, kids wanting to go to Guelph, and and you bring up a, a good point that. Well,
1: why not? Why, why not have that bring kids in?
0: Well, exactly. But as far as, you know, in talking about Stu Lang goes, as someone that was in that building, it 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 always bo- bothers me how quick people are to to talk about his money. And he was extraordinarily generous with it. And I'll never forget the words of one of my fellow teammates, Pat McGrath. In talking about Stu Lang, when he addressed our team once, Pat, that is, in saying that this is a guy that could be doing anything in the world he wanted. He could be in a boat in the middle of the ocean for a year, not have to worry about a thing. He could just do that. Like, we're talking about that type of, like, power, that... That he chooses to help out a program like Guelph, all the while he s- invested money into Queens, all these other things, but not to get di- you know distracted from the point that everyone they love to mention the money. But when Stu Lane came in, he he's one of the he's one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And what you had in Guelph those years with Stu were the hundreds of kids, young young men, in those five, six years that he was there that for so many reasons would absolutely do whatever they could to bring that championship that he wanted to bring to Guelph. And it was just this, like like we loved it, like that, that plain and simply. And so as far as the jerseys are concerned, I guess, like I said, it would be great to see more teams be able to incorporate that don't get me started on a team like, say, U of T. There's no,
1: there's, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna get started on them. There's no reason that that kind of team can't. U of T has the money. U of T is one of the yeah. richest schools in Canada.
0: They one of the biggest schools in the world. Yeah, like, they,
1: they just, you know, to be fair. Big ups to the maybe 3,000 people at the game last weekend. They don't care about the football program. Yeah. Western doesn't have to do it, but even with that, Western had the purple and white jerseys. Then one year they brought in the gray jerseys, so they didn't wear any white all year. Now they have the blackout jerseys with the mm. chrome helmets. They're still showing things. McMaster has the all whites. They have the grays. They have the the maroon. Like people are still doing it for for teams for like York and UFT to not do it. They are well off schools. I don't know much about Windsor. Um, I. I love Carlton. Carlton doesn't need to do anything. I love their jerseys. Yeah, they don't need to do that. <laughs> but just to take that away for no real reason is a little ridiculous to me. Let the kids have their fun. They're going out there and and busting their ass, getting hit every day. Why not? Why not just be like, yeah. hey, you know, here's here's a cool helmet for you know, here's a cool jersey to wear. I don't know if you got to keep any of that stuff or anything like that, but it it it's just like there's no reason to take that away.
0: Yeah. Well. A fun little story I'll mention in terms of keeping the stuff, uh, my last game, which was the uh, national semifinal against Montreal and, and uh, Lang had made this promise that if we had won the Yates he'd uh, um, put our um, names on the jerseys of, of our all black uh, uniform and won the Yates and he followed up on that promise so we had had the names on the jerseys lost to Montreal in that game and I know a lot of my teammates, I won't name names, not that it probably matters at this point anyways, in the locker room, instead of throwing the jersey in the bin to go to the wash, tucked it into their bag, took it with them on their way out the door afterwards. And I played the card of, hey, you know what? I'll put it in the wash. They'll probably realize a bunch are gone anyways and just say, hey, you know what, guys, or maybe at the least graduating guys, you can go ahead and take your jersey. Didn't work out as I'd planned, but uh, I- I'll digress I, on I that appreciate point. your honesty
1: there. Um... You know, I I definitely can't say I've done the same. Sorry, Mark, but I I definitely have a Western Mustangs helmet. And I definitely don't deserve to have it. So I appreciate, you know, maybe people looking the other way or just not caring.
0: (laughs) Well, with that being said, we'll move on to our our next and our last question that we got from Adam Adam McGuire, uh, play-by-play guy for Waterloo, um, asking about Waterloo's move. Um, of moving Curtis Gray back to linebacker, something that we kind of touched on in breaking down the Carlton game. He had the pick. Big-time um, big, uh, big time player for them in that game, going along with uh, Michael Reed there. Um, so like I said, kind of touched on that. Whether it's... Um, you know, whether it unlocks something for Waterloo defensively, I mean, I, it's, it's going to... Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Obviously we saw the impact already. It's going to be hard to tell though. Because as we've already gone through, they're taking on York next week. So that's not going to be a great game to say whether or not anything has really changed defensively for them. They'll probably their defense will probably look great next week against York. So bit of a wash. Then the week after they go play Western. Kind of a wash but for other reasons. You don't want to judge them too harshly by how they play against Western. So it might not be until the Battle of Waterloo till we get to maybe fairly judge how that defense is with Gray involved and if he stays in the fold for them until that point, you know, maybe that unit will be able to gel. As I already mentioned, though, in the breakdown with the loss of Hinzberger, getting a guy like Gray there in the linebacking core, I, I think is just is good just as a a, a, a solid presence to lock lock help lock down that unit and uh you know for their sake because of all that talent i i do really i'm pulling for them to 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 you know make a make a run for it this year um touched on an episode earlier on the season this is turnowski's draft year Ford's in his third year i mean still still young still still a young team but you know that it gets to a certain point where you just wonder like it does does waterloo become one of those teams where it Hey, what happened to that dominant Waterloo offense that never won a Yates? You know, so hopefully uh, to Adam's question, hopefully this does un- unlock something for that defense. But like I said, I don't think we'll get a real chance to to see whether it does or doesn't until maybe three weeks from now. Well, then I'd say that pretty much wraps up the episode uh, for this week. Dakota, any final thoughts? Um,
1: no, I'm just I'm just really excited to see. So you obviously see the Varsity Blues um, go out there again. Um, I do have just one thought um, for the for the upcoming weeks, just because I've been hating on the schedule so much. Quick question, maybe, Zach, you can ask me this. Carlton at Laurier, last week of the season, October 18th. It's a Friday, 11 a.m. game.
0: We'll leave that one for the listeners there what's up with that bring some pancakes i guess now i'm not just talking to the offensive lineman um so i i think there was an 11 a.m ga- game last year um i don't know it's it's weird it doesn't make sense and if it does figure out what you do schedulers because it's, you're not doing it right well with that being said that'll wrap everything up for this week and we'll see you next week at the 55